Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. Uh, listen, if you want to uh, follow along for notes, you can jump on the Bible app, version. Uh, you can look up uh, events. It's one of the side tab things. All the notes are there. Uh, thank you to our incredible team that makes that happen. And uh, if you're viewing online, welcome. Uh, we can't wait for you to receive something right in your pajamas right now. Um, but we're praying that the word and the atmosphere that is going on here, and trust me, there's a spirit of faith here tonight, uh, that it would be the same in your bedroom, in your lounge room, wherever you're seated right now, or wherever you're walking right now listening to this. And so uh, you're here with us, and we're there with you, and we're going to do this together. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark. Everyone say Mark. Mark. Chapter 10. Verse 46, and we're going to read through to verse 52. Um, Say, got it when you got it. Say, hold up, if you don't. Say, got it when you got it. All right. Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. It says, it's a story. It's a story about a, a gentleman by the name of Bartimaeus. And it says this, then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called him. They called to the blind man. Cheer up, up on your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Oh man, I'm getting spunked right now by the Holy Spirit. Whew. I don't even know what spunked means. (laughs) But it's happening. All right, I'm good. Uh, Throwing off his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Uh, An additional scripture, which will be behind me on the screen, is Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Blessed are those who are hungry, or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. We are, we're beginning a theme this month called Revive, and it's really centered around the Holy Spirit, centered about, around new life, centered around dry bones coming to life, and, and revival, and this idea that there's new, newness of life found in Jesus. There's this newness and, and grandeur of life. There's this great life available to all of us found in the Holy Spirit, found in Jesus Christ, found in what God has for each and every one of us. It's this idea that we can have an Easter experience like last week, And on the other side of that, each and every one of us can come into new life, can come into a revived life, can come into a freshness of life, a fullness of life. And I'm thankful for what we celebrate and commemorate last year for Easter. But once that happens, the kind of question becomes, then what? Now what? What do I do with that? How do I walk with that? 
How do I take on the fullness of the resurrection life that Jesus has made available when he died on the cross and rose again? How do I take, that, take hold of that and, and really run with that my whole life? Because Christianity is not a kind of like sprint, go hard for 10 seconds, Usain Bolt style, boom, done. No, it's like day in, day out, week in, week out, month in. Month out, year in, year out, decade in, still going, still following Jesus, still keeping the cross at the center, still making him the main thing. Okay, I'm 50 now. I'm I'm 40 now. Maybe you're 70 now. Maybe you're just looking at turning 18 soon. Wherever you're at, it's it's a long game. And I want to live it to the fullest every day. I want to live it to the maximum every day. Jesus planned my life, the Bible says. He planned your life, the Bible says. And so there's a fullness of life available to us in Jesus if we can take hold of it. And this is really where I find the tension. Because if I'm honest, I don't see it happening very often. Like there's this fullness of life made available in Jesus Christ. Like that's crazy that God would just do what he did through Jesus Christ. There's some significant theological steps that took place to make that happen. And however you come to the conclusion, Jesus made available for us a fullness of life that is absolutely significant. Free from addiction. Free from hurt and offense. Free from uh, giving new life into purpose and meaning that you can wake up every day and take hold of a life that you couldn't even begin to dream of. And and I look at my life sometimes, I'm like, how did I get here? God only knows I don't deserve it. Sam only knows I don't deserve it. (laughs) And don't even ask my wife. But here I am. And I look around sometimes, I'm like, only Jesus. And I, I know there's others here in the room who can look at their lives like that and go, yeah, only Jesus. Pastor Jared, only Jesus. Savannah, only Jesus. And yet I'm intimately aware of the fact that there are some of you sitting here tonight and you don't feel that way. You haven't maybe yet experienced the fullness of life that's made available in Jesus. And so I want to look at this text tonight and, and pick, up, pick out some of the observations I find. And maybe th- there's one key I want you to get tonight. And listen, there's a number of reasons why I think we don't experience this fullness of life. The first one is that you don't know Jesus. That's a really big step you probably need to take. Okay, you, You're not aware yet of the, the, the magnitude of who God is, who Jesus is in the story. And if you're like that tonight, can I just say welcome? Thank you for being here. It's a brave step to be here tonight. Let's give him a round of applause. I don't know how you got here. Maybe you walked in off the street. Maybe someone invited you, but you're here right now in the whole context of church, the whole context of this whole thing. Maybe you used to know Jesus when you were younger, but you've maybe returned for the first time in a long time. But you, you wouldn't say you know Jesus. That's probably the first step of why someone wouldn't know the fullness of what I'm talking about. Second thing is, is there's pain, hurt, struggles, life circumstances. Maybe you got a dealt a bad hand. Maybe you started off with a handicap. Maybe, you know, life wasn't kind to you. Maybe circumstances beyond your control, outside of your scope of being, maybe you were born into it. Maybe you were born with a disability like this man in this story. Maybe you were, whatever it is, you got dealt a bad hand. Maybe you, you got hurt or abused. 
Maybe your dad wasn't around or your mom wasn't around. Maybe your family broke down when you were young. Whatever your circumstances, it's something outside of your control and there's hurt, there's pain, significant disadvantage, disadvantage of any form, but you find yourself in that type of a circumstance. You're not yet fully experiencing the fullness of life and yet the good news is no one is out of reach from God. No one is in is unredeemable from Jesus. No situation is too permanent, no series of bad choices too long. Maybe your bad choices put you exactly where you are and you know how you got here. But there's no series of bad choices too long for Jesus to start redirecting your life. But if I'm really honest, those two circumstances, those two reasons aren't the biggest reason I find. They probably make up for a, a significant percentage, but the Percentage, I think, that makes up the most in regards to not seeing someone experience the fullness of life that's found in Jesus is comfort. I think we're comfortable in Western society. I think we're comfortable in church. It's predictable. It's safe. And we created it like that, to be honest, because we want people to feel comfortable to come here to feel, I want you to feel comfortable bringing your friend. And there's no way you're going to feel comfortable bringing your friend if I start pacing up and down on stage, speaking in tongues and shakarabunding all over the place. And people are just going to be like, that's, it's weird, powerful, but weird. Some of you want me to do it, don't you? Soon it'll come. Shakarabunding. I'm not making a mockery. I just, I'm just aware of the fact that church can be weird sometimes, right? And so instead of, instead of maintaining a level of passion and desire for the things of Jesus, instead of keeping at the forefront of our thinking and our mindset, Jesus and, and the cross and him crucified and the sacrifice made and the life now available in Jesus, we sit back, do two praise songs, two worship songs, that's the fast songs, then the slow songs, and then someone gets up and pumps us up a little bit, inspires us to pray, then we sit down, we go through the announcements, someone reminds us that we need to be generous and we give a little bit, and then someone gets up and gives us a couple of key life points that I can go out on Monday, feel a little bit about myself and I'll come back next Sunday and we'll do it all again and Sunday remains my Christian thing and the rest of my life just remains I'm going to make it work somehow get through one day maybe just try to get through to next Sunday breathe again go back into it Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Sunday (gasps) and that becomes our life and we get used to it it's a flow it's predictable not necessarily enjoyable but safe comfortable I wonder if that comfort is suffocating the very passion and the very desperation that could change our lives if we took hold of the real fullness that God has. I'm a pretty passionate person and this message is going to get me right up, just eyeball jacked up right now, right? And I hope you catch something of that because I'm not here so much to teach tonight as I am to impart something. I'm not here so much to uh, explain the, 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 the significant theological blah, 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 whatever. No, I want you to catch something of the power of God. I want you to catch something of the desperation that's needed to take hold of the fullness of life that's available in Jesus Christ. We need to fight passivity. We need to fight comfort. If we want a full outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a full outpouring of the power of God, demonstrations of healing, signs, wonders, miracles, if we want to experience the fullness of life, if we want the world out there to look at what we've got in here and go, you know what, actually, we want that too, we need to get desperate for a move of God. 
We need to get desperate for a touch of heaven. We need to get desperate enough to feel uncomfortable and look weird. We need to get desperate for Jesus. It begins with us having a personal encounter. It begins with us experiencing Jesus for ourselves personally. Once you've been touched by Jesus, it's really, 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 really hard not to tell somebody else about that. Once you've been changed by Jesus, once you've had an encounter with Jesus, once he's restored your marriage or he's broken addiction off your life or he's brought you out of depression or, or, or you've seen Jesus do something in your life, it's really, really hard not to tell someone about that. To, to, to be sitting next to a complete stranger and be like, oh, look, this is gonna be really strange, but I, have you met our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Have you, have, let, let me tell you what he's done for me. Let, let me tell you what he's done in my life. Matthew chapter five, verse six says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Can I tell you, you can't fake hunger. You can't fake desperation. Don't get me wrong, you can eat when you're not hungry. Smitty knows I do it at work. <laughs> but that's not a hunger-driven response. That's a boredom-driven response more often than not. No, no, there's something about being hungry. There's something about being desperate. There's something about, oh God, if you don't do something in this situation, God, if you don't show up right now, God, if you're not gonna come through, I'm done and there's no second chances. God, I need you. And we need to not only have that for our own lives, but we need to have that for the people out there. God, if you don't show up on the peninsula, people are going to hell. God, if you don't remove the sin in my life, God, I might not be safe. But God, if you don't do something in my school, in my university, in my workplace, with my family, with my extended family, with my mother-in-law, God. I love my mother-in-laws. But I know some of you don't love yours. That's why I was... We need to get desperate for Jesus. Listen, if you're not here, if you're not familiar with church tonight, I, honestly, I just honor you for being here. It's just awesome. This message matters to you because through it, you're gonna see just how much is available in Jesus Christ. Yeah. And if you're here, if you're familiar with church, this message matters to you because I'm praying it's gonna increase your desperation for an encounter with Jesus. The message title tonight is Personal Revival. Let's pray. Father God, tonight, just move me out of the way. Do what you've got to do. Encounter people tonight, God, like I've been praying for weeks now. God, would you take every word I speak and, and let it be entwined with your spirit tonight and let it impact people, God, at an eternal level. Yeah. And their very heart, God, let it bypass every system of thinking, every filter, God, every mindset, every frame of reference, God, and let it go right to the heart. Let it cut through tonight and let people encounter Jesus. In your mighty name I pray, amen. Tell you a really quick story, then we're just gonna unpack this scripture. Desperation is really hard to articulate unless you've been desperate. I, I thought about telling stories about how I desperately pursued my wife, but I found a better one. Well, it's not better, it's just different. <laughs> Two years ago, uh, we, we just got Audrey, and... Um, so I'm adjusting to that, and you know, uh, that was, 
you know, a whirlwind of how that happened. Story for another time. And uh, I, 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 we, we go on holidays with my family, went out to Coolum, and uh, the surf was pumping at the beach. And I was just like, this is my jam. I love surfing. And uh, I didn't have a board. I did have a board, but I couldn't be bothered to bring it out. So I just thought I'd swim out to the, to the back of the, where the big waves are and I just chill out there behind the breakers. And so I swim out, it's awesome, not an issue, I'm a strong swimmer, feel completely confident in the water, not worried about sharks, for some reason it's never been a thing. Uh, so I'm out there, out the back, I'm just relaxing, I just, like, just decompressing, essentially. And, uh, and I'm like, this is great, spend a couple of minutes out there, bob up and down in the water, you're, just, you're outside of the breakers, so it's kind of really calm out there. Okay, and then I decide, cool, time to go back in, uh, I've had enough, my wife probably wants me to come help with the kids. Um, plus the rest of my family were there and they're important as well um, and so I begin swimming back in confident, strong, beautiful strokes great form <laughs> you know, it's, it's looking good from whatever angle you're looking at probably except for underneath because I'm like <laughs> underneath and, um, and I, you know I'm not really paying attention because I'm just headed generally towards the shoreline and then I started to get a bit puffed I'm like, ah oh, man Shore's not here yet, no, no, can't touch the ground. I'm like now in that zone where the surf's beginning to like get a bit like this and there's like rocky and you know, big waves and I'm like trying to judge and time it so that I could kind of catch a wave, but they're big and I'm like, I might be a little bit out of my depth here. I'm not, you know, I usually have a board to, you know, a bit of buoyancy, keep me afloat. I don't have to work as hard because you kind of just skim across the surface with the board. It's great. You can catch a wave essentially, it's fantastic. And then I'm like, I'm getting really puffed now. So I'm like, kind of take stock of where I am, and I have not moved. Okay, this is the first red flag. <laughs> right? I'm like, okay, let's turn on the afterburners. Ha, ah, come on. <laughs> yes, Michael Phelps. I am Michael Phelps. Ian Thorpe, eat your breakfast. Come on, like, nada, nothing. Look back, look up. I'm like, pretty much same direction. And it comes, it appears to me, it revelation, light bulb moment, I'm in a rip, and I'm in a really bad rip, and I'm, I'm now really puffed, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you start like mentally just going through checklists, and I'm just like, if, if I don't solve this problem, I'm in a world of trouble, and so I start analyzing, like, and this is like, I'm like, I'm making it sound like I just sat there for a couple of minutes and thought about my options, but like, this is like split second stuff, I'm like, okay, take a, take a wave in, potentially dislocate or break shoulder, collarbone, arm, ribs, neck. Okay, but live. You know, like these are my options. Or float, hope someone sees you, stick up hand, no, no lifeguard on this beach. Okay, mental note, swim between the flags. Next time, go to a beach that has a lifeguard. Next time, you know, like, and so I'm like, and, and I'm now like, bang, stress is way out of proportion. I'm like, zoning way out going and I just pray I'm like Jesus like out loud like I don't care who hears me I am desperate Jesus if you don't do something I'm dead that's the revelation right and I'm like one last chance one last time and I'm like if there's a wave coming I'm catching it I don't care dislocate my shoulder I'm gonna live I choose life bang 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 my, my foot grazes the sand as I try to, I'm like, oh, yes, I'm, now I'm at the point where I'm standing on my tiptoes, but the water's up to here. I'm like, I choose life. <laughs> but for a moment there, I was genuinely like freaked out. Like, God, if you don't show up, 
God, if you, Jesus, if you don't do something right now, and I don't know what happened, I don't know if it was my strong swimming or Jesus just like, I got you, pulled me along a little, you know, like, but there was desperation, I promise you. That, that moment of, oh my gosh, God, if you don't show up, God, I could legitimately die right now. That's the type of desperation I'm talking about. That God, if you don't do something in my life, if you don't do something in my marriage, God, if you don't do something in my world, God, if I don't encounter you and carry the real power and resurrection life that is found in Jesus, if I don't have that within me, taking that into my workplace, taking that into my university, God, then, then I want to be like Moses and say, if your presence isn't with me, God, I'm not going. But if you're with me, God, and we can do this. Let's have a look at this scripture tonight. I want to unpack. I'm going to go. I'm just going to breeze through it. There's some some observations that are, are different for everyone, and different observations are going to hit different for different people. Okay, so I'm just going really broad tonight, but I'm hoping that you catch something about getting desperate for a touch of God, getting desperate for your own personal revival tonight getting desperate for a, a touch of Jesus, that he encounters your life in a way that you're never the same again. The first thing I observe in this scripture was right at the get-go. It says this, then they came to Jericho. And, and that'd be easy to look over and brush over. But for, listen, if you're a believer, then you're aware of the fact that maybe you're familiar with the story of Joshua and going into the battle of Jericho. What Jericho represents is the gateway to the dream, the gateway into the promised land. Listen, you can be sitting in the gateway and not even realize it. You can be sitting right in the forefront of your dream, your thing, and, and, and not even realize that you're right there until Jesus rocks up. And for the unchurched, for the person who's maybe not familiar with, with God or anything to do with the Bible, what you need to realize is that Jericho always remained an un-Jewish city, a non-Jewish city. It represented the world. It represented the things of the world and the people of the world. It represented things that weren't of God. And so you can be sitting in Jericho away from God and Jesus is still going to show up. Jesus is still going to meet you in the midst of all the worldly stuff that you've got going on. He's going to meet you in the midst of your sin. The next thing I observe is this. Bartimaeus was blind. An obvious observation as we read the story. And I'm not talking, uh, what I'm not trying to get across to you in this message is self-help tips. I'm not trying to give you a five-point message how you can be more like Jesus, although that might be helpful. No, no, I want you to carry Jesus. I want you to encounter Jesus for yourself. Not, I don't want you to hear about just my stories and my stuff. I want you to meet him for yourself. I'm talking about where you were once blind and now see. You were once deaf and you now hear. You were once dead and now alive because you've come into contact with Jesus. What we need is a personal encounter where Jesus opens our eyes. The next thing I observe is that he heard Jesus coming. The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing. It means you don't need, necessarily need to see something happen or move in your circumstance, but you can begin to hear a message like this tonight and something can come alive on the inside of you. Faith can begin to arise on the inside of you. Hope can begin to be birthed out of that faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but you can hear it and go, yeah, I want that. You can hear it and go, yeah, I want to taste that. Yeah, you can hear it and go, yeah, that's what I need. That's what I need. 
I need something like that. I need an encounter like that. He was in the entryway of the city, which means it was the thoroughfare of coming and going. Here's a man that was used to being looked over. Here's a man who was used to being worked past, but he heard something. He heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He heard that, that maybe, and maybe he's been hearing things for a while. Oh, this Jesus, maybe there's rumors floating around the city. Have you heard of this Jesus guy? Oh, I heard that he did this for this young woman. Or I heard that he did this for this young man. Or I heard that he did this in the temple. And, and all of a sudden, blind Bartimaeus is like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he could do something in my life. Maybe he could do something in my circumstance. Maybe, just maybe, Jesus could do something in me. Maybe he could do it in my marriage. Maybe he could do it in your finances. Maybe he could do it in your future. Just maybe, if, if I hear that he's coming, if I heard that he was here, just maybe he could do it in your life as well. The next observation I make is that Jesus stopped. I think it's easy to look over the implications of this. Jesus was moving. He was on mission. Somewhere to go, somewhere to see. Yeah, there was an agenda. One, one, one version of this story in another part of the gospel implies that, 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 that they were going somewhere. Someone was leading Jesus somewhere. There's activity, busyness, and yet Jesus stopped. I don't know what's going on in your world right now. I don't know the busyness, the craziness, the ups and downs, the, the forward motion that you feel out of control maybe to stop yourself. But guess what? Jesus stopped. And he can stop in your circumstance too. He can meet you exactly where you are right now in the midst of everything. Jesus is more than willing to stop himself for you tonight. In the midst of all that's going on, no matter how far away you feel from God, no matter where you feel like God is, Jesus stopped. And he stopped a crowd. He stopped everything. He halted forward momentum. He paused the agenda. And he'd, if he did it for blind Bartimaeus, he'd do it for you too. The next thing I observe is that Jesus called him. Despite his condition, despite his predicament, his situation, his appearance, Jesus called him. And I don't know what you think disqualifies you from Jesus calling you, but he can call you in the midst of no matter where you are. Single mom, he can call you. Broke, he can call you. Sick, hurting, dying, diseased, incurable, doesn't matter. He can call you. Blind, he can call you. Deaf, he can call you. Doesn't matter where you are, where you've been, where you think you're going, how destitute you are. If you're desperate tonight for something of heaven, if you're desperate tonight for something of Jesus, Jesus is calling you. Please don't hear me with natural ears tonight. Hear something of the Spirit of God. He's calling you. He's got a word for you. He's got a call for your life. He's got a plan and a destiny for you. Jesus called him. And then we start to see the response of Bartimaeus. The first thing I observe is that he threw off his identity. You'd miss it if you didn't understand, but it says here in the Scriptures that he threw off his cloak. His cloak was a sign of who he was as a beggar. It was his mark of identity. It gave him permission, essentially, to be where he was and to ask for support, to ask for arms, to ask for handouts. But this time, Bartimaeus wasn't content with a handout. He wanted a hand up. 
This time, Bartimaeus wasn't content just by getting a couple of bucks or just by getting some food for the week. No, no, he was like, no, I'm done with my dysfunction. I'm done with this condition. I'm done with what it seems like and feels like. I'm done with being taken care of. No, no, I want to take hold of something more. I need a touch of Jesus. I'm willing to forego this identity and throw it away. I'm willing to forego my sense of, no, no, this is how it's always been and this is how it'll always be and it'll never change. It was like this for my mom. It was like this for my dad and it'll be like this and it'll be like this for my children. No, no, he goes, no, I'm done with that identity. I'm willing to forego that sense of safety, that sense of this is what I've always known, this sense of what it's always been like. I'm willing to step into something completely new for the chance of a touch. Desperate for Jesus. Desperate. A personal revival doesn't abdicate personal contribution. It's not just about Jesus did it all for him. It's, it's that he recognized, you know what, if I get my sight back, I'll probably have to go back to work. I'll probably have to contribute to society, but I'm willing to forego that status of being given stuff all the time and say, no, 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 if I can get Jesus, I'm more than willing to work hard. I'm more than willing to be a part of it. I'm more than willing to make my contribution. I'm more than willing to play my bit. I'm gonna throw off my old identity and take hold of all that Jesus has for me. The next thing I observe is that he doesn't listen to the crowd. Oh man, if there was an observation that hit right hard for me, this is the one. Because so often I've been the one listening to the crowd. Just being honest with you. I'm the one who's like, Jesus! Yo, does this look cool? Up like this? Right? Jesus! I'm so done with caring what people think about me. He's like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people are like, shut up. Be quiet. It says they rebuked him. Like, be gone. And you know what his response is? Jesus, I need you. Do you get it? It's like, no, I don't care what you think about me anymore. I don't care what you say about me anymore. I don't care how ugly it might look. I don't care if I'm weeping. I don't care if it's uncomfortable for you. I need something that that man has and I'm not gonna care what anybody else thinks ever again until I get it. Jesus, please, I need you. Jesus comes to him and he says, what what can I do for you? And in faith, not knowing whether it was even probably fully possible, but hearing stuff, having faith inside his heart, can I see? And the Bible says immediately, go in faith, you've received your sight. Jesus, it doesn't even say, Jesus did anything special. He just says, yeah, good, good, go. And he gets his touch, he gets his miracle. I'm wondering if we can be a church that's desperate like that. I've got more observations, but I I just sense that right there, that's the point where right now we're at that point going, Jesus, where's your point? Where's that touch, that, that sense of like, God, I need you. 
Is there something stirring inside you tonight that says, if you don't have Jesus like he got Jesus, if you don't have Jesus like that, then maybe you need to get a little bit more desperate. If you're not walking into your, to your, your workplace, your university, your school, your family, maybe your very family, and it doesn't concern you that people are going to hell without Jesus. It doesn't, what about yourself? Have you met Jesus in such a way that you feel like, oh my gosh, God, I need that. God, I'm desperate for more of that. I, I've experienced, maybe you experienced it ages ago, but, but now it's like, no, no, I'm living on revelation of years ago. I'm, I'm living on an encounter from years ago. I'm living on a, a word from years ago. But tonight, Jesus wants to revive you again. He wants to do something in you tonight. Thank you for listening. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We encourage you to tell someone about your decision and pray and read the Bible every day. We also recommend attending a church in your local area. We have many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We are so excited to see you there.